Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. We've had the COVID virus, and now we have the monkeypox virus. And we found out that a month or two before each of them, there were simulations of how they might be spread upon the world. What do our globalist masters have in store for us next? You can be sure there's something. But what can you do about it? The best thing you can do is to keep your immune system resistant, resilient, and clean. You can do that by going to zstacklife.com. Dr. Zelenko has developed a system, a protocol supplement system that has saved thousands of patients that he treated with very few hospitalizations. You can go to zstacklife.com and get the ZStack protocol. You can get the protocol for children and the detox formula. If you go to zstacklife.com and use promo code CDM, you can get a 5% discount for off all of the products. So keep your immune system healthy as we wait for the next virus to come down the pike. Go to promo to go to zstacklife.com and use promo code CDM for a 5% discount. And now let's get to our guest. So today in American Conversations, we have, again, one of my favorite elected officials in America, Sheriff Joe Gamble from Talbot County in Maryland on the Eastern Shore. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christine. Thanks for having me. So today I want to talk about something that you started and why you got uh, ran for office, and that has to do with the opiate addiction. And I want to talk about the event that has happened every year since 2016 when downtown Easton turns into purple lights. People put purple lights into their um, into their outlets outside their front doors. And Talbot Goes Purple is a celebration for you know people staying clean, protecting children, and everything else. This event that is happening this, I guess it's next week, it's either end of August or beginning of September um, every year. So tell us about Tablet Goes Purple. How did this all come about? Sure. And what's the event this year? So, sure, a little bit of the history of Tablet Goes Purple. So when I ran for sheriff, um, one of the things that motivated me to run for sheriff was the opiate problem that we were having all across America. but even here in Talbot County, you know, a small rural county on the Eastern shore. Um, I, I was a coach at the local high school for years and years, Christine. And um, I'd coach kids for 20, 20 years, 10, 15 years at the high school. And kids that I had coached um, were later in life had become addicted to opiate and the pills. And I gave a talk in 2015. Um, to that was after you were elected, right? After I was elected, I was asked to give a, a five-minute drug talk <laughs> at a fundraiser unrelated to drugs. Um, so I basically stood up and said, raise your hand. It was a, 400 adults in the room. So raise your hand if you talk to your kids about uh, drinking and driving, seatbelt use. And as you can imagine, every hand in the room went up. And then I said, raise your hand if you talk to your kids about prescription opiates. And 11 hands went up out of 400. Wow. Of those 11 people, most of them came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I appreciate what you talked about, the link. And I was talking about the link between prescription opiates and heroin addiction. And they said, I appreciate that because my child or my nephew or my niece became addicted. So the only reason most of those 11 knew anything about it back in 2015 was because they already had somebody that was suffering from addiction. Sure. And, and it shocked me. I thought 20% of the hands would go up in the room. Um, and it shocked me that people didn't in 2015, people didn't even weren't even talking about the link between prescription opiates and heroin addiction. Um, so we needed to get that message out. I needed a platform. And, you know, having um, these town hall meetings, um, 
firehouse meetings. I did that. I went on the circuit in the county and talked, but it would be 15 people show up, 10 people show up, five people show up. And I'm like, how do we reach parents? How do we reach kids? I said, right. we got to go where they go. Right. You know, we, we have to be where they are. Mm-hmm. Parents go to ball practice. Kids go to sporting events. Um, parents go to sporting events. So we went to our high schools, our high school and middle schools, and we've got them to agree to allow us to come and talk to each team. Wow. So I would find an addicted per, a person that was had been addicted who was in recovery and solid in their recovery to come talk to the team. So, if, for instance, we had a field hockey player come talk to the Easton High field hockey team um, who was an All-American in college, won a national championship and became addicted to the pills and became addicted to heroin. Um, and she gave her testimony to them about how she got involved with it. Um, same with the football team, same with any other group that called us, we try to find somebody who would fit that niche. So it was real people that they could identify with who were normal folks, not the old bald sheriff, but mm-hmm. somebody that they could relate to, to give them that message. We would go out, like we have a ball field right outside of our office, little kids play soccer. We would go out to those practices with parents because parents sit and watch the practices. And um, we would call the parents together and do a, do a talk with them to try to educate. So we were in the schools. We were hitting all the any any community event that already existed where people were going. Mm-hmm. We, we were asked we asked to come or we were invited to come. I gave over a hundred a hundred talks in in three months that first year um, myself, not including some of the other stuff that we did. So we're still trying to do that. We're still trying to get that message out now. Now six years later, this is year six. We're kicking off, and the reason we kick it off in September is because that's the start of school right and everybody's attentive parents are tuned up kids are tuned up they're all ready to go it's a new year um so we try to hit it hard um so this year we bring we're bringing in a speaker the first year we brought in chris heron a national nba basketball star who became addicted to the pills and then became addicted to heroin he came and spoke to all our middle school and high school students it was a terrific it was a terrific event i mean i i i'm originally from boston but i didn't know chris i didn't know who chris heron was but i knew that he played ball and, and then all of a sudden I thought, wow, you can you can be addicted to heroin and still do hoops. Yeah, it's, it was I mean, amazing. No, yeah. really amazing. Amazing story. Amazing. That was an amazing event that you guys yeah. did. In 2006. He, he's an amazing he's an amazing person who's just done wonders. He actually started Purple um, and we started piggybacking off of he, he was giving a talk at a school and some little girls came up to him afterwards and thanked him for coming. And they were all wearing purple shirts. Mm-hmm. And he, t- he told me the story. He said, why do you all wear purple shirts? And she said, we're the only kids in our school that are sober. So he started Project Purple. Um, and then we spun off of that. But when he came here, he said he had never seen a whole county go purple. So all of our towns, as you know, Easton, yeah. St. Michael's, Oxford, everybody's got purple lights. Everybody's got. And more importantly than the purple lights is that we send banners out in the community to churches and they put them in their yards and educational messages for our community to understand what's going on this year. Um, you know, last year in the United States was the worst year in the United States for overdose deaths. Over a hundred thousand people died in the United States, the most deadly year in the history of our, our country for overdose deaths and it's fentanyl. So we're really pushing fentanyl. Um, the a message about fentanyl, specifically the counterfeit pills that the drug cartels are manufacturing, you know, Chinese are manufacturing illegal fentanyl right. cartels are, 
doing the uh, bringing it across the border, which is wide open. And we're seeing this huge influx of counterfeit oxy pills, counterfeit Adderall pills. I mean, Adderall is one of the most abused drugs on college campuses. But now they're mixing fentanyl in it. So we're having young people. We had a kid in our own community, a high school student um, who thought he had bought an oxy on the street and it was fentanyl laced and he died. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's the kids don't know. They don't know what they don't know, but they don't know that the, even if they buy weed today, it's not the weed from 25, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Exactly. So there's fentanyl. I mean, they're fine. We haven't seen any fentanyl in marijuana here locally, but DEA has. Mm -hmm. uh, so and it's they're mixing it with cocaine and all the other uh, drugs. So that's our message this year is we really want to educate the continue to educate the kids about prescription medicine, continue to educate them about substance abuse disorder, the, you know, and, and, and what, how a person gets there. And it's the earlier somebody starts drinking or starts marijuana use in their life, like a 12 year old, they start using lower, lower grade substances. If you want to call that, they have a much higher chance of becoming addicted later in life. I mean, it's astronomical, the numbers. So the younger you start, the the more your exposure is to become addicted to harder drugs later in life. Now we know everybody doesn't, but um, so we, we start with that, you know, and say, all right, the earlier you start drinking, the earlier you start using weed, um, the more likely it is that you could become addicted. And people don't know this and parents don't know this, but 10% of our society is predisposed to addiction, whether it's through genetics or, or, or it's just in our upbringing. Um, so when a parent has that underage party at their house, cause they're trying to have the 16 year olds have a safe place that they can be <laughs> an eye on when they drink, what they don't realize is going on that there's, if there's 10 kids there, there's one that's already predisposed, whether his father, his grandfather was an alcoholic or, or addicted to drugs and he's already predisposed. And you've started that kid on a path that could lead in, in ultimately his death or a, a life of miserableness if that's mm -hmm. um so we're really trying to educate parents as well grandparents as well um safe to so it's, it's a stepping stone i know that joe when you when you've given your talks you've also talked about the fact that what's in somebody's prescription cabinet yeah exactly we, and we need safe storage for our prescriptions and safe disposal you know to bring them in drop them off at the sheriff's office here or your local police station um because you need to know what's in there because that's where kids are starting. 85% of kids become that are, are heroin addicted started in their own parents or a friend's parents' medicine cabinet. I found that to be astonishing when, when I first heard you say that. Yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 proven that, you know, this is how it starts. So I'll give you a case in point. Kid that I coached. Went to college, um, got an injury got prescribed, legally prescribed pain pills, opiate, pain medicine, um, got addicted to them. You know, the doctors told us 20 years ago, you can't get addicted right. if you take it as, that's right. a lot. That was well, a lot. That's, that's, what, that's what Sacklers were telling, Sacklers who own yeah. Purdue, who manufactured it, who put Oxy on the, on the street, were telling everybody you couldn't. And then they doubled the doses when their patents were about to run out. Exactly. So they, I mean, that's why they're in the position they're in today, which I just want to tell everybody. If you want to understand the opiate history with the Sackler family that owned Purdue, and they and they, it wasn't the only epidemic that they were involved in back in the 60s, they um, produced not lithium, uh, Valium. It was Valium. 
<clears throat> but now there's a book out that came out in 2021 called Empire of Pain that gets into the entire history of the company and the entire collusion of how these people put it on the market and targeted kids. Yeah. And so this kid did what the other 85% did. He got addicted to the pills and these were legal pills. It was um, sports injury. It was a sports injury at college, playing a college sport. And then he started seeking, um, seeking out other kids. He needed more pills who had been injured and had surgery and mm -hmm. started stealing pills out of their rooms. Right. And then when all the pills ran out, he started buying some pills on the street and then he started running out of money. And then he bought heroin because he was trying to quit, but he was going through withdrawals. He, he didn't understand really that he had now become addicted. Um, so he started buying heroin on the street and snorting heroin. He came, he graduated from college, came home a full blown drug addicted heroin addict. Um, and then his mother found a empty uh, vial in his drawer. She called me cause I coached. She was in total panic, went to the house. He ended up coming home. We had a, you know, we sat down and talked and, um, he told me a story, you know, and it was just, um, it's not unlike any other story in America. Now, thankfully he's been through rehab. Um, he's doing well in his, in his recovery. Um, it's been several years, but you know, that's, I just hear these stories over and over and over again, Christine, and we have to do a better job education. There's, there's very little money out there for prevention. You know, our health department's hands oh, are we, we, we always react to everything in America. That's exactly. our culture. It's like instead of going upstream to, to, to basically focus on prevention because we've got enough evidence of people downstream. I mean, when I've interviewed, you know, human trafficking victims, there's always there's always drugs involved. Yeah. And always. for, you know, they've done some studies for every dollar you spend in prevention, you save 18 dollars downstream of government money, government dollars. You know, I mean. Mm -hmm. If we could get a control on this, obviously my job would be easier. We'd have less crime. Yeah. And how yeah. much how, how much of that other crime is connected to drugs, Joe? I would Perfect. say 80 percent. Mm -hmm. uh, if your property crimes, nearly 100 percent. But of total crime, I mean, when you talk about even child abuse, physical abuse, right. sexual abuse, it's all substance. It's, a lot of it's substance, not all of it, but a lot of yeah, uh, uh, domestic violence, a lot it's, of it. It's it's, in, it's it's around the corner if it's not on the table. Yeah, if we didn't have substance abuse in the community, you would you could probably cut cut your police departments by sixty percent. You know, because it's it's driving crime across the country. Um, so with all that, that's why we said, you know what, we're going to start something. We're going to see if it takes root, and and this community here in Talbot just took off with it. I, know. I went around and started talking to some key people in town um, and, and in the community. And every business I went to had been impacted by this. Every business had a story about an employee, a relation, somebody that was uh, involved in this. So everybody's been all in for the last six years. So we're going to kick off on the 31st, August 31st, at the, Talbot, at the sheriff's office here in Talbot County. Um, we're going to have our Festival of Hope. August 31st is... National Overdose Awareness Day. So we kick it off on the 31st. We'll have all kind of fun stuff here. We're going to have a bounce house. I'm going to be in the dunk tank. People can throw balls. Yeah, this is becoming almost a, almost a second, uh, you know, piece of employment for you because you go into the dunk house <laughs> a lot. I'm going to check for it. But, but yeah, so we're going to do it. We're giving away food, giving away cotton candy, all that stuff. It's going to be fun for the kids and family. We're going to have our educational messages out there. We'll have 
canine demonstration, all kind of fun for the family. So come out six to eight here at the sheriff's office. Um, and then what we'll, we'll end up doing is all year, we have, a, we have some speakers coming into our schools, our middle, middle and high schools, later in the month, like the third week of September. Um, but we're going to encourage our teachers to and everybody to share our messages on Facebook um, and just try to get those educational messages out there and get them in front of people. So, you know, if they just read it, um, you know, I, it's an interesting story a couple years ago. And we'll be at like the high school football games with a table set up with all our information, handing out stuff, you know, to the kids at the school games and whatnot. Um, but I had a dad come up to me at a high school football game a couple of years ago. And he, he just wanted to thank, he said, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And so we were talking. He said, you know, my son said that um, this purple lights and stuff, it's not going to work. And he said, I just picked him up from practice, driving home. He said, this stuff, you know, this is stupid, these purple lights and this, you know, this topic goes purple. And they had stopped to get some food at a local uh, fast food restaurant and sat in there and ate. And he said for the whole half hour that they were in there, he said they had a discussion about the son saying this isn't going to work and the father talking to him. And it opened up a window of conversation for them where he was able to talk to his son about the prescription pills, about how many people are dying because right. the father educated himself. And then he, his son looked at him when they left. He says, I guess there is something to it. Yeah. Everybody has their, because they, they had that conversation and that's all we're asking is get the facts, uh, get involved, right. Mm -hmm. With your kids or get involved with tall, goes purple and have those conversations with your kids, with your family, with your grandchildren, with whoever, the more people we can educate about this, I think that the, the less um, devastation we're going to have in these families that are just, I mean, it's just, it's devastating. To have well, it's devastating and everybody coming out of the last two and a half years, we're not, I mean, we're definitely not through that tunnel, but it's, it's, you know, considering what the numbers were for overdoses last year, the COVID the lockdowns, you know, and everything, all the dysfunction that oh, happened. Yeah. But Joe, I don't want I don't want to end this until you share, because I thought this was brilliant. You had said back in two, 2016 that you were going to build a template, like you you know some things you did well, some things didn't work, but you were going to build it and share it with other sheriffs. Talk about how many other counties that uh, the sheriffs have adopted your program since 2016, and also you know. It, not that Delaware is the largest state in the, in the country, but I mean, Delaware is on the, uh, you know, Delmarva Peninsula, and they have adopted this program as well. Yeah, so the whole state of Delaware adopted, you know, Delaware Goes Purple, started with Sus Sus Sussex County, Delaware. Um, so what we did is we, we just, we have a PowerPoint that we put together. I've traveled to a bunch of the counties. I've shared at the Maryland Chiefs of Police Association. The National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. Um, had some people from Colorado interested. We sent it to them. They started some stuff out in Colorado. We're in 14 counties. Uh, there's 23 counties in Maryland. We're, we're, there's currently 14 counties that go purple in September um, with more uh, Montgomery County. I was as a judge in Montgomery. Montgomery County is one of our largest, most populated counties in Maryland. Um, I was just on the phone about eight weeks ago with a judge in Montgomery County who had 20 or 30 people on the call with me. We went through the whole PowerPoint and Montgomery County's added to the list. So that might make 15 now in Maryland up to 23 counties. So 
you know, we did some things right. We did some things wrong. We put it out there and says, here you go. Use what you want. Okay. Modify what you want. We don't want anything. We just want to keep pushing the message forward. So, you know, it's really cool, Christine, because we have, you know, like one of our local banks does a uh, competition on uh, who has the best window because there's multiple banks in East and who has the best window for public goes purple. And they have their educational messages in there. Um, you know, the ice cream shop in Oxford will have purple ice cream. And, you know, so, you know, this kind of the sky's the limit, but we're, we're really excited about kicking off year six. Um, you know, COVID set us back a little bit um, with in-person stuff with kids, but we're full steam ahead, going to get right back in front of the kids. we got a whole new crop. My wife even said the other night to me, I told her that I had a meeting tonight, a meeting with you, and um, and a meeting tomorrow. And she's like, man, I mean, she's like, that. it's a lot. And, and she's like, don't you think we've gotten it? And I said, no, because we have to remember that there's a new sixth grader. That's right. Going to middle new generation. And those kids don't know. They don't know. And those parents don't know. Those 30 something year old parents, the game has changed since, uh, you know, I'm 58. The game's changed since I was 16. The game's changed since a 35 year old's. That's right was kid is now 15 or 14 or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like the, it's, it's a totally different game. It's, it's, with, it's, it's drugs, still an arena, but it, but it morphs into a, into a new picture. That's exactly. Right. When they started marketing this drug <laughs> in the late nineties, early two thousands, everything changed. The whole, not, not just that, but I just reason I didn't know this until, until this past year that the, when you go into a hospital and there's a pain chart and they ask you how much pain are you in, whether it's one to 10, that was actually designed by Purdue wow. and that was marketed and put into hospitals. So they really captured the market, not just the, the drug itself, not just doing the double doses and everything as the patent was ready to run out. They actually captured it because they made it a template for for doctors to be forced by the hospital administrators to ask anybody going into the EU, how much pain are you in? And the doctor's orders were from up on high by the hospital administrators is to reduce the pain by the time they walk out. Yep. And you're absolutely right. Unbelievable. unbelievable. It is unbelievable. They take your pulse. They take, they take all your vital signs. That's the, that's the fifth vital sign. Now what's your pain? Right. Right. It, it really is. I mean, obviously it's criminal. Um, well, I remember when we hosted the American Conversation out in Easton, and it was it was after you had done that first Talbot Goes Purple in 2016. And that day that we hosted it, just by coincidence, there was a front page story in the Washington Post about the Sacklers in Purdue. And I thought to myself, now this is a breakthrough when they're going to have a congressional hearing on that. And by God, you know, they, they, they still are messing around with the courts, with the payments and everything. Most yeah. people, I think a couple of those Sackler family members should be in jail. But the book has come out. People know about it. And it's horrendous. And, they, and, and this, is, this is the thing that people have to understand. They consciously and with no conscience put this on the market, changed the rules, doubled the doses, and it hooked even more people yeah, and probably at, at, we're probably at the point where a million people have died from opiate overdoses from over the last 20, 20 years or more. And that should sink in with people, especially when 
you know, we've all gone through this COVID insanity for the, for the last two and a half years. Joe, how can they, how can people find um, the website that has all the information that they need to know about it? Sure. We have a great website, talbotgoespurple.org, talbotgoespurple.org, or you can hit us on Facebook um, at talbotgoespurple, ask any questions. We actually have an online toolkit now on our website where a parent can go in just think they, they, they're looking for help for their teenager or you're looking for help for your spouse or a loved one. You can go in and start entering into our toolkit on the website. And for Talbot County anyway, for the Eastern Shore, you can you don't have to put your name in. You say, OK, it's an adult. It takes you to this screen, um, this, this, this. You hit you enter those information and it gives you all the resources that you might need or at least to get you started. Because one of the most confusing things for parents or for a loved one is when somebody they suspect they're going down the wrong road of addiction mm -hmm. is how to navigate that. So we developed a toolkit online to help you navigate all the systems, whether you have private insurance or public insurance, that, that toolkit will take you down that path. And then of course, anybody that has a concern, has any questions, they can call us right here at the Sheriff's Office. Ask for me. Um, and we can help you. I mean, I, I still get in the early days, a couple of years, five years ago, I was getting three and four calls a week from parents who are worried about their kids and where do they go for help or a loved one who's addicted. And we, I still get those calls weekly. Um, what do I, I do? Think, I think one of the appeals to how you've done this, though, too, is that you've made it very open for people not to be afraid of calling the police. Right. right. And you shifted the paradigm in the community and, and with the kids and with the parents and the families that the guys and gals on your team and you are there to help the kids. You don't want to put them away. You want to get them clean. Exactly. And, and the same with adults. So we when, in year one, this was a prevention message. You know, we were putting this prevention message out and there was a we got a call. It was an email. And then we talked to her from a woman who was two days clean. And she came around the corner in Easton in her car and saw all the purple lights and she knew what it was. You know, she had heard about this topic. It was purple. She said she pulled over and started crying because she said that she never knew that a, her, the community cared about her. Mm -hmm. She thought this was about the recovery, about recovery. You know what I mean? Which is, it's all one and the same. Sure, you know but, I mean? it's, but it's, but it's, but when you're in that state, you might not realize that people give a damn. Exactly. And she was two days into her recovery. And since this has gone on, the people in recovery are the ones that I use to reach these kids. And so it's drawn the my office and my deputies in a relation. And we bring them in here and have them train us, have mm -hmm. them talk about their story um, so they can understand it. So that you can put a face or at least a huge put a human behind some of these situations yes. that we're involved in with some people that are addicted. Um, and I remember, I remember six years ago, Joe, when um, it was your son who said that he had, as I recollect and correct me if I'm wrong, it was your son who heard Chris Hernan speak when you were trying to figure out how to get the message to the kids. Yeah, it's a great story. He, my son was at uh, York college. He was on the lacrosse team and the coach told him that, he said, I want you to take these freshmen to hear this guy talk tonight, right? So he was one of the captains on the team. So he said, I want to make sure you take these young kids to hear this Chris Heron, who was speaking at the college. So they were late. 
and it was sold out. I mean, it was packed. They wouldn't let anybody in. Well, being the cop's son, he knew how to get in the back door. <laughs> so he stuck around back and with four or five of these freshman kids and came through this back door and some security guy stopped and said, no, 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 no. At the same time, Chris Heron's walking by about to take stage. And he's like, what's going on, Chris? What's going on? And my son's like, we were late. They're not. He says, no, 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 no. These guys will come on stage with me. So Chris Heron actually brought these lacrosse kids in, sat right up there. So he actually called me that night. And, you know, your son, my, at least my sons, I have two of them. The only time they call you when they're in college is when they run out of money or they got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And at late at night, you, 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 it's, it's probably the latter. Exactly. So he called me late that night. He's like, Dad, man, you got to hear this dude. And uh, so I looked him up on YouTube and then watched his ESPN special. And, and uh, I said, we've got to bring that guy here. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a cool story. Well, it was the, the auditorium at the school was completely filled. And he, yeah. he captivated the audience. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a blessing. Yeah, it really was a blessing. And the, um, when he did the individual schools, I mean, you mm-hmm. could have heard a pin drop with those kids. There were kids crying. We had counselors there. Um, there were kids crying because their parents were addicted or their friend was addicted. And, um, it was, it, he, really, he really helped us kick this thing off and get it done. And a bunch of other counties have used him since then. Um, in, on the eastern shore of Maryland. So, so again, the website is talbotgoespurple.org and Facebook at Talbot Goes Purple. And if you don't remember any of that, just Talbot County Sheriff's Office, give us a call and we'll direct you in the right way. Okay. And then also, again, the, the uh, event on the 31st. And event on the 31st is right here at the Talbot County Sheriff's Office, 6 to 8 p.m. Everything's free. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got all kinds of stuff for kids to do. We'll have canine demonstrations, fire trucks, you name it. It'll be here two hours. Come out and have some fun. You get to dump me if you can hit me. (laughs) Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to have a super, super soaker squirt gun right when they go to throw the ball. (laughs) So it's going to be coming back at you. It'll be coming back at you. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for Talbot County. Thank you. Thanks for helping us to spread the message.